Before there was Octo, there was Soto. On today's episode, we talked to David Hurd. David Hurd was the president of Soto Society of Transporter Owners from 1988 to 1999. We get in depth with David. We talk about buses. We talk about car shows. We talk about the scene back in the day. So if you want some VW history, you're going to love today's episode. Well, it's episode 25 today, guys, and I can't believe there's 25 episodes out right now. A couple things I wanted to share with you guys. First, Make sure you guys go and check out our website at letstalkdubs.com. You can support the podcast by buying some pretty cool swag there. I got t-shirts, I got hats, I got dicky shirts, I've got sticker packs to support. So anything from five bucks all the way up to 40 bucks. So uh, go on there, check it out. It's uh, good stuff and uh, you, get to help, you get to help your support your favorite podcast. So other things I wanted to give a shout out to, remember guys, if you go on Apple Podcast or if you go on any, review, uh, any of your sources where you downloads from and you put a review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. But mostly I'm checking on the reviews on Apple Podcast and I got a couple shout outs to give this week for people that have given us some reviews. So Lanky VW gave us a review. He says, he says, let's talk V-dubs. He has to admit he's never listened to a podcast before, but he found it on Instagram and he cruised on over and, and and, uh, and checked it out and he loves it. JJDub63 says he loves the content and he says he loves to hear the stories from uh, people in the VW industry. Also, Superfly Silver Fox. I think he goes by Brother Bob. He says it's about time. A lot of people have given me some positive feedback about it's about time that we have a VW podcast. So I hope you guys appreciate it. Uh, I'm working hard on trying to get some good podcasts out for you guys. Coming up in the next two weeks, we got two awesome podcasts coming up. I've got Pat Downs from CB Performance coming up and I've also got Dave Cormack. Dave Cormack was editor for VW Trends from 1997 to 2001, and then he was an associate editor over at Hot VWs for a short time thereafter. So tons of cool stuff, lots of awesome uh, podcasts and cool conversations coming up. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure if you enjoy it, you guys go and review us and give us a five-star rating over there on uh, our on our Apple podcast. So uh, without any further ado, we'll go ahead and get to this week's episode. David Heard from Soto. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by VW Motor Security Blanket. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. On today's episode, we're going back, we're going way back, and we're going to get some bus history dialed in and get some things figured out. I've got on the phone today, I've got David Hurd. David Hurd was the president of Soto from 1988 to 1999. He also puts on the Bug Bash up in Northern California as well as Bus Fest. So uh, I'd like to welcome Dave to the podcast. Bill, thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you. Hey, so, you know, we've been in passing over the last several years throughout, you know, every time I come up north or I might see the show down south. And I saw you at Octo and I said, man, I really want to get you on the podcast because you've got a lot of history, especially in buses and what's been going on with the bus scene for a really long time. And, you know, having that history, I want to get into a lot of what was going on back in the 80s with Soto, how it kind of went through all that. But the very first thing we always get into is your VW story. So how did you get into Volkswagens? What's your VW story? My VW story started actually in high school and I wasn't a VW guy at all. I had a hot rod Pontiac GTO and my best friend in high school, uh, Tony was building a bug and auto shop in school. 
and asked me towards the end of school if I wanted to go to Buggerama. And I said, I don't know, what's Buggerama? And he was telling me about it. And I said, sure, sounds like fun. So he goes, cool, you're driving. You have a big trunk. And he was buying, he needed to buy stuff in the swap meet for his Calwood Bug. So we went up there in my GTO and loaded up with parts. And I sat and watched drag races. And all of a sudden I saw a bus. And I saw a 23 window bus. And I asked my buddy, I said, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's like a 27 window or something <laughs> like that. He didn't really know much about it. I said, that's really cool. I've got to have one of those. And then I'm buying one shortly after. Nice. And so what year is this? This was in 83. No, 82. I'm sorry. So it was our junior year of high school. So 1982, and you, so you had a buggerama. You see this 23 window. Now you're driving a GTO at the time, and that's that's a pretty right. far jump from GTO to to, to the world's slowest <laughs> breadbox. Oh yeah, very 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 different. And so, what was it about the bus that just caught your eye? It was just the the simplicity of it. it it's just cool looking. I like the curved glass in the rear, the little tiny taillights. It was it just it kind of blew me away, and I was like, wow, what is that? I, I need to learn some more. So I went through a series of, you know, I had a few bugs and I had convertibles for a while. And then it was just all buses. And there's been a couple of hundred since. And so what was your first bus? My first bus was a 59 23 window walkthrough. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually bought it about two weeks after Buggerama. And it ended up going to my same friend who had it for a long time and bounced around between a group of friends of us, and it never even saw the road. But it was a really cool car, and my buddy had big plans to lower it, big motor. And and what? And when you bought that bus back in 82, what did you pay for that bus when you bought it? $300. <laughs> <laughs> and took my dad's truck and a U-Haul trailer and dragged it home. Wow. And it was mostly complete, missing some drivetrain, or what was it? What was it? No, it was project? a shell. I mean, it, it didn't have seats. Um, it, it was... It was pretty stripped. It was painted bright yellow. I uh, really had nothing on the inside, um, but it was a walkthrough, and you know, none of us knew at the time what a walkthrough even was, much less an early walkthrough. Yeah, so, especially the early ones. I mean, they're pretty, yeah, pretty hard to come by. So, uh, so that bus is that bus still around somewhere? No, sadly, that bus. My my same friend Tony that I referred to, it bounced back and forth between us, and he at some point got frustrated and didn't want it anymore and without telling anybody had it towed away to a junkyard where it got crushed oh come on yeah i found out about two weeks later i was like hey what's going on with the bus i know you you know you're not really into it you've been selling the parts and he goes it's gone what do you mean it's gone and he told me and we went to the junkyard where he had had it towed and it was it was a heap oh wow yeah i was i was not happy since then i mean you had a ton of buses but you're going back and forth with this bus and then how do you get introduced to Soto and what is now for those that don't know before there was Octo, there was Soto and yeah. It, yeah. Soto was, was actually started by Jeff Walters in 1983, I believe. And I joined late in 1983. I was member like 502. I found out about it through a little ad in hot VWs at the time. Jeff was writing started Soto because he got tired of being told to go park his bus over, you know, behind the trees at the show because nobody was into buses then. Well, that, you know, that's what we kind of touched on when I saw you at Octo. I said, you know, you know, the buses at, at, at in the late 80s, even the early 80s, like the bus guys were kind of like, oh, those dudes are weird. You know, they were kind of pushed, <laughs> pushed out a little bit. And it's funny, I, I have to attribute, and I think it was one of Russell's bus. I think it was the 89 or 90 Jamboree I'm at, and I see 
this laid out single cab on early Fuchs and it's got old speed on the front two safaris and this big fat tack on the dash. And this was like, uh, you know, 1990. And I saw that bus and that was the first time I thought like, man, buses can be pretty cool. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, no, and, the, and there was some guys down, down in Southern California who were doing all kinds of stuff. But even back then, um, George from the butcher shop, was yeah. building a lot of really cool stuff, and they were among the first guys down there to lower cars, as was um, Tony DiLorenzo up here, who had a lowered bus when I first met him in 85. We were actually in the caravan down south of the Soto meet before I was even running the club, and he came pulling up in this slammed, really nice original blue and white 67 micro bus that was just in the weeds. Oh. And that, that was his everyday car, and he was you know a little kid. And I think that, I, I think maybe what drew me to it so much was like you never saw a slam bus, and when you saw a slam bus, you're like, that dude's brave. Like that guy, you know, it seemed so foreign to the rest of us VW guys, like to lower a bus. You know what I mean? Because they had a reduction box and all this stuff. But the reality was, it's not that much different from a bug, but guys just weren't doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think that was one. I, I remember there was the uh, cover of VW Trends. There's like a pink and white bus that had a bunch of earthquake speakers in it. And then I remember Billy Shores. I think his name was Billy Shores. He had a pink and white 20. It might even just been a 13 Deluxe with two sunroofs in it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was at all the Jamborees and yep. stuff. The cover of the magazines. That one was really well known. So, I mean, I remember seeing that thing at the Jamboree and just being like, man, buses are really cool. And then the funny part is you to go back to those days of the early nineties and finding a deluxe bus was like a big deal. You know, right. uh, I remember, I can't remember his last name, a, a guy named Kevin who moved down from the Bay area and he had a girlfriend, Kimmy and, and Kevin had a 13 window deluxe on cookie cutters and it was kind of primered and white. And he moved down here to Vegas for a couple years and, uh, and it was just like, dude, that guy's got a, he's got a deluxe. I mean, wow. 13 window. That's crazy. And then, right. You know, they, they seemed so, it was so rare to find a deluxe, you know? And then you, you look now, now you go to Octo and there's, you know, there's 50, 60, 70 deluxes at Octo and there, I mean, what year do you want? What deluxe do you want? You know? So it's interesting how. So for so many years they were neglected buses were really neglected and then they became desirable and then people started kind of really going after them so so now walk me through now this is early 80s you're you're in the vw scene and you you join soto because like hey i'm a bus guy a little bit of an outcast and we want to be we want to get some and i think it's what kind of happens with every club when they get together they want to represent at an event and they want to get kind of respected you know what i'm saying exactly and so soto then now jeff walter starts soto what years he start he starts soto in 80 83 he said it was i believe it was 83 because the first event i went to was in garden grove and that was the first anniversary meet in 84 okay and, and i remember i i had to borrow my the bus i had at the time wouldn't make it so i ran down there in my mom's toyota borrowed her car and ran down there i was 18 or 19 and ran down there for the day and checked it out. And that's the first time I saw the the Hornbecker 52 Deluxe. And he had a 51 out there. And there was a bunch of stuff. And the first one was actually, it was a soda meet together with um, the Convertible Club. So it was kind of the two of them at a little place in Orange County. Oh, and cool. I, I was just blown away. And so you joined Soto. You said you remember, you're like member 502 when you join. And so 
how many years are you are you involved in Soto, and then at what point do you become president of Soto, and how does that whole thing take place? Well, Jeff passed the club on to Steve and I a few years in. He he moved on to other things. He was really into antiques, and he was doing um, doing a lot of like Coke memorabilia. So he wrote a couple of books about Coca-Cola stuff, and I believe he's still doing it. I've, I haven't seen him in years now. Huh. And he passed the club on to Steve Nye, who had a lot of really nice early VWs, and especially a ton of buses back then. And Steve kind of took over the club, and he ran it for a few years. And then he actually had a, a bit of a personal emergency, actually literally caught on fire um, working on a car oh, wow. and was, was down for a while. And it was probably... A year or so after that, I I called him. It's like, hey, what's going on with the newsletter? You know, I haven't seen it in a while. And he, you know, he kind of told me the story. And I'd heard it through the grapevine. But and I said, so what? What's going to happen? He goes, well, you really have to find somebody to take over the club. And I said, what would be involved in that? And he goes, well, you, you just got to publish the newsletter and maintain the database and you know find content and all that stuff. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I'd be interested. And he's like, well, let me talk to Ken. Which, um, his buddy. And anyway, I ended up going down at the jamboree. In 80, 88, I went down, actually drove down a pickup truck uh, to the Jamboree, and I went over to uh, Ken and Steve's place, and I actually ended up driving one of their really cool buses to the Jamboree that day, oh, nice. and then took home Soto. He's looking to let somebody else head the club up, and you're like, hey, man, I don't want this thing to die. Let's keep this thing going. And so right. you step up to become the, the, now the club president, and you were a club president from 88 to 99? Yeah, basically 88 until until – Octo really kind of took over the, the scene down there. And so and it, Soto was like the, the only thing bus guys had really going on the entire West Coast, really. At the time, yeah, the newsletter was kind of the heart and soul of it because there wasn't there wasn't a ton of events where you could go to the swap meet so that, you know, getting a newsletter in the mailbox every month, I used to look forward to it, you know, to see what people had for sale and see pictures and what people were doing to their cars and stuff. Um, so that it was, it was kind of the only resource for it back then. There was, you know, the vintage club had been around longer, but they were, they weren't so much about buses either. Yeah. It's funny so because it, oh. it was, it was kind of like, you know, all of a sudden we get this little, you know, this great little thing and we get a newsletter every month and it was, it was just awesome. And it, and it just, it took off. Well, interestingly enough, what a lot of people don't know about today, because they're spoiled with the internet and communication, anything you want to find, you want to find the original owner's manual for this, that, or whatever, someone's got it scanned or any information's at everybody's fingertips, and back in the you know the 80s and even into the 90s, you know there's for for you to be able to get information was like a big deal to find an owner's manual or whatever. And so clubs like this, what kind of was the glue on these clubs were these monthly newsletters. And then putting the newsletter together was a little bit of work. And then you make make the newsletter, get the copies, print off a bunch of copies, and then mail them to all the members. I mean that was. That'd probably take you two, three days to get all that done. Yeah, it was it was a full time job in addition to a full time job. I would have, I'd have you know four or five friends come over and buy buy the pizza, you know, and drinks and come over and fold newsletters, you know, because at one point the club was up pretty close to three thousand members. So it it took several weeknights, you know, to get a newsletter done. And the 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 very first ones, it was literally, you know, you hear about cut and paste. It was literally type it on paper and then cut it out and paste it on another piece of paper, then make copies of it. Then as, as the computer stuff got better, you know, you could do kind of lay it out and format it there. But I mean, the, the early ones were really, the ones I did were super primitive. And I mean, you, you could tell looking at them and it was, it was different, but it was definitely a labor of love and it was a ton of work. Um, but it was, it was just cool to be a part of it. And you felt like you were really 
supporting the scene and, you know, a, valu- a valuable resource. And that was what it was all about. Yeah, you, you, you get the newsletter and find out, oh, you can, there, someone remakes this piece of window rubber that you can find from this one obscure location, or some guy ran into a bunch of NOS parts over here, and if you're looking for A, B, or C, contact this guy, here's his phone number, and, you know, it was like, there was no classifieds online, there was none of that stuff, so anything that you wanted to get, that was probably your best source to get that information, you know? Yeah, it, def- it definitely was, because it was long before there was, you know, the Samba or Craigslist or obviously, you know, the social media of today. So that was pretty much your resource. I mean, obviously, you'd go to all local swap meets, you know, you'd go to the VW shows. You'd also go to the American car shows, you know, and find an occasional thing. But there was there was there were some guys who were including Jeff who were traveling around the world, you know, digging up NOS stuff in Europe and all over, you know, South America and Central America, bringing back just crazy amounts of stuff, you know, and that was kind of how they disseminated it. It was a big deal to do that, and it kind of being a club president was like a really cool thing and also a, this big, laborious task, you know, to try to keep everybody together when you're part. It's one thing if you're a local club. It's a whole different deal if your club's all over the world and you've got members everywhere and, and you know, you've got to produce the newsletter, make sure everything's accurate, and then get that out. I mean, like I said, it, it's a whole thing, and then every month when you finish, the next month starts again, and you've got to make sure you've got content for people and and now you guys did events. Did you guys do events twice a year, once a year? I mean, what was the what was the routine for events? We're doing four four events a year. The the big event was obviously the anniversary meet in the summer. Um, that was always the weekend. It worked out, so we had it with together the weekend of the classic. So that was kind of the beginning of the what is now VW Week in Southern California. Saturday be the Soto meet, Sunday be the classic when Rich was doing it, um, and then we would do a a spring meet and a fall meet. And then a winter meet, and those were the smaller events that we had in different places in Southern California. All the events took place. All the events took place in Southern California. The, the all the big events were down there because that's where about seventy percent of the membership was. Um, so we we'd always have the the summer event there, and then we would do small events. We'd have them sometimes at Wolfsburg West or a Custom One. We had them at the VW dealer over in Long Beach, Circle Imports, different places down there, and then we did some of them down at Deer Park in Escondido as well, down by San Diego. So now you go through, Soto's going, it's going, I mean, you're, you're in this thing 10, 10, 11 years now. There's a, a lot of ideas out there about what took place at the end of Soto and all this stuff. And one of the reasons I want to get into on the podcast is that you could kind of set the history in place from, and I would think there would probably be no better resource than you to give everybody the idea or the story of kind of what took place. Because I think right around the 80s is when things maybe started to taper out with with uh soto i think when was the last meet that soto had well the last the last soto anniversary meet we had um was the same the same day as they did the first octo meet uh, basically the same day they just did it in the other side of town we had it at long beach veteran stadium where we had been for several years and they had theirs over in anaheim i think it was at the duck pond obviously i didn't go because i was putting on the soto meet but it kind of it kind of split the crowd in half from your perspective, what, where, where did the divide and all that stuff kind of come in? I mean, you know, what happens, what people sometimes understand when you take on this huge undertaking as, as being, and I say some of this from experience, as being the head of an organization or a company or a club or whatever, and you go through personal life changes. You get married, you have kids, things like that start to happen. You sometimes don't have as much time for some of the things you used to do back before you had that time. And then people start to complain and you're like, hey, man, you, you know, you, feel free to jump in and do something if you want. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know, was that the situation with Soto? Like, wh- where does Soto go in, in, the, in the 10 years, 10, 11 years that you're running it? 
Well, it, it, it got bigger and bigger, and it, it got to the point where it was becoming or, almost more than a full-time job. I was actually going to school full-time. Went back to school, and um, I was also writing the column for Hoppy W's, put on the soda meets and stuff, so it was pretty overwhelming. And at the same time, as it, as it grew, it was a challenge to get content for the newsletter. It, when That was kind of the beginning of the Internet stuff and the Samba when it was VW Planet and those things. And some of those, as that stuff started to happen, the I think the actual need for a newsletter um, wasn't as great as it used to be. So it was it was really challenging to get content. It got to the point where it didn't it didn't feel like there was enough or it was not enough original stuff or not enough sort of input from the, the folks that were members. You know, so the news the newsletter got kind of stale. And yeah. I mean I I'm the first to admit that and I I would, you know, kind of beg, borrow and steal from people to try and get, you know, get it hey can you send an ad? Do you have anything for sale? And they call my friends. Hey, what do you have for sale? What are you looking for? You know, just like that. And there just there was not much feedback in the in the last you know couple of years. So where does Soto start to kind of like wind down? Where and then there's grumblings of people wanting. I, apparently, I'm assuming I don't know the history, but is there people that that were from Soto that started Octo? Um. Yes. I I know Charlie was uh, involved in starting Octo and Eric. Um, who had been around for some time. It wasn't, I don't, I know, it, it's hard because I don't generally know who started. I know there was two or three kind of well-known folks down there who sort of spearheaded it, I guess. Uh-huh. And at that point for me, when, when it started happening, they had an event the same day. It was kind of like, hey, this is supposed to be fun and this is supposed to be a hobby. And, you know, it, this this is now not fun. So that was when I kind of backed off and I just, you know, kept putting out the newsletter and we had a couple of more events and, and then it was just, you know, the writing was on the wall that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be the place and have the events down there anymore. So it, I just kind of shied away. And ultimately what happened was um, we, we have chap, different chapters in different places. And I, I honestly think I could have done a better job supporting the chapters. And I know the orange County guys wanted to have a chapter. Yeah. And I think the Octo thing kind of started out or was supposed to start out as a, Soto chapter um but then there was a South Bay chapter and there was a guy who was running that and doing little kind of little events down there cruises and stuff named Kent and he had expressed interest in taking over the club and I said well you know let's think about it and talk about it and then I just kind of one day called him up say are you ready and he said yeah and so I basically kind of did what had been done to me I boxed up all the stuff and sent it to him and you know for him to run with and he had some hurdles in his life. He had um, some family members pass away and some health issues and a bunch of stuff and never really never really got it going again. So the stuff kind of sat with him for a while. And I have a couple of years later called him back and just said, hey, what, you know, what's going on? He's like, well, I'm just not going to be able to do it. And I said, I'll tell you what, just send me the stuff back. So I just literally got, you know, the big box of newsletters and the stuff that was remaining and just kind of stuck in the corner of my garage. And so what was the timeline from that? Like what, what, when do you leave and like turn over the reins to Soto for it's ultimately for its demise, you know, for someone not to put the heart and soul and effort into it. The last, the last event I did was the winter meet in, I believe it was 98 and we did it at, at Wolfsburg West and it had a pretty small turnout. Um, and by that point, the newsletters had gotten pretty sporadic. There, there just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of feedback and I didn't have a ton of time and it just, it just kind of went by the wayside. And 
obviously the folks who are members were unhappy and weren't getting a newsletter, which I understand. So what I would often do if there would be like a month without a newsletter, I'd just extend the membership another month. But it, it just got to be um, more of a chore than a than an enjoyable hobby. Right. Turned into it, it turned into like this thankless job that after you know everybody forgets the years of hard work that you put into it running the organization. And then it just becomes maybe to a situation where people just, ah, oh, there's no newsletter. What are you doing? Why are we paying dues or what are we doing this? And you're just like, look, this started out as like a fun deal. The T-shirts aren't free that we get. Like they cost money to make. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I could see it quickly turn because, you know, a lot of times people that don't put the work into stuff don't realize what it takes to do. Just like the guy that said, oh, yeah, I'll take it over for you. And then it just kind of folds after that, you know, so. So now what happens with you? Now you decide, like, you sell your bus, you keep your bus, uh, you pull back from the scene. Because obviously sometimes, you know, when, like, these people that are close around you and you kind of feel, I don't want to say, you know, it, sometimes there becomes hard feelings when you feel like, hey, all right, that's great. Thanks for the thankless last 10 years of me doing whatever. That's cool. And then you get maybe a little bit salted on it and you just like, ah, I'm going to pull back. I don't really want anything to do with this. I'm going to focus on other things in my life. Is that kind of what takes place there? Yeah, there, there was, there was some definitely some hard feelings, um, and there was a, a lot of misinformation in different places. And I saw some things on the internet um, that weren't really true, you know, or people. There was rumors that I was trying to sell Soto and that I wanted all this money for it, and I was like, that's never actually happened. That was never even a thought. Uh, when Ken gave it over, it was the same way it was given to me, and I gave it to him. Yeah, um, just like it was given, you know, from Jeff to um, Steve. So it wasn't it wasn't like selling a business or anything else. It was just kind of like, hey, this, you know, here's the next chapter, you know, do what you can do and run with it. Yeah. And then I at that point, like I say, it had just kind of ceased being fun for me. And I had finished school. And I so I, I just kind of closed up the garage with the buses and I kept them and, you know, drove them. But I just kind of shied away. I didn't go to any shows or anything for a while. Um, met my wife, had three kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll change things for sure. Having some kids, I mean, that changes the entire trajectory of your day to days. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, you know, the and the priorities just changed. You yeah. know, and then I still all the stuff is from Soto is still in the corner of the garage. A, a friend and I a couple of years ago revived it just as kind of an event because there, there's really no need for a newsletter anymore with the internet. Right. Um, not not a, as a money maker or anything else, just as a, a get together in Sacramento. And we've had, we've done two so far. We're going to do another one uh, this year. It looks like October. We're waiting on a final date. And the first one we had sixty, I think sixty eight buses. The second one we had eighty five, and ran out of room at the place we were using. So we're actually looking for a bigger venue. And it's just just kind of a cool get together. We've had a ton of people come out, and so it's it's been really fun. And it just in a just in a kind of different way not not anything event wise not anything money wise just literally what soda started out is about a get together and you know sharing the love of the buses during the time that you kind of pulled back you still own a couple buses that you just kind of tucked away in the garage oh yeah no i never i mean i i've got rid of a couple of buses for a down payment on a house but i've still i've got my 57 sand green and palm green sunroof that i've had since 84 I sold it in a weak moment, then got it back a few years later before it went to Japan. That's a combi, um, a combi sunroof. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then I and I've got a, a 57, 15 window, you know, press bumper corner window bus, and I've got a '65 Australian right-hand drive combi that I'm collecting parts for, and then I've also got a, a really early '55 single cab with a SO13 box body for it. 
But oh, I still got some cool. cool stuff, and I just I just kind of put them away, and you know there they sat for a while. Now now you dip out probably somewhere right around two thousand two thousand one. You're kind of pulled back from the scene. And then you've got your buses, which is your passion. It's kind of a bittersweet thing. You look at them and think like, oh, man, it could bring up good memories or bad memories. And then something ignites you to get back in the scene. What was, what was it that kind of – what's the first show you go back to? And what's, what's kind of the vibe when you go back to the first show? Uh, the first one I went back to, and I don't remember the year, I went back to Buggerama with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, of almost 15 years, and went drove to Buggerama and just drove up and you know in my truck and we just went in walked around for a little bit and it was kind of like huh you know and she's like so this is what you do huh and i said that's what i did for a really long time and then like a year later went back to something uh, to kelly park i think and then just kind of started went back and i had lots of different people ask me it's like hey you know is there ever going to be a soto meet up here or you know hey how come soto doesn't let in all buses. And I said, well, Soto was a split windshield bus club. It, it wasn't an all bus club. That was kind of the right. original thing. And people said it would be really cool if there was an event for all buses. And I said, you know, there was. So a little bit of time went by and we had the first bus fest. And the first one, I think 147 buses showed up, which wasn't bad for a first time out. And that was where that was number one. And this, this year is number 15. So, wow. So you started, so you started bus fest 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. The first year we had we had one in the in the like August, and then one in May the following year. Then it's been one year since then. Yeah, you keep these shows are always on Sundays, right? Correct. You're killing me, bro. Because if I'm going to a show up there, that means I got to hang out the show, leave early. That's what I did. That's what I did over at uh, over at Prado last week. It's like it was Sunday. I was out of the show by noon. I was like twelve thirty. I'm gonna be gone because I want to get home by a reasonable hour, and I got you know. It, exactly. It, yeah, the whole long story that, to the reason why we didn't get home until like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. But um, <laughs> you know, I actually I don't know if you saw on my Facebook Live video, we uh, I was coming up Baker Grade and I was towing my bus, and of course, you know, I've put thousands of miles on my bus driving it, but now I like to you know, especially when it's a short, quick trip, and, and a lot of people don't have to deal with Baker Grade, you know, the hottest part of the Southwest, and you got super right. deep grades and stuff. And so there's no need to try to risk it when you're when you're headed home. So I'm I'm hauling there. I'm coming up Baker Grade, and Hippie Mike's broke down the side of the road in his bus. So I unload the Bull Run bus, toss him the keys, and I throw his bus on the trailer. I'm like, "You just get home, and I'll see you at your house." And he was just like, "Oh, that guy's ever has a 1600 Singapore, and he gets to drive the 2270 Type Four Bull Run bus, man." <laughs> I'm like, "You're gonna live it up, Mike." He's like, "I couldn't believe it." I just step on the gas. I never had to downshift. I just get on the gas because he took over in the middle of Baker grade. So he got to hit the next grade going into Vegas. But, you know, I, it's funny because I've always envisioned like, well, if somebody was broke down, I'd let them, you know, he's already hot. I'm in my air conditioned comfort of my truck. And I'm like, here, you go ahead and drive my bus and I'll just tell your bus home because he blew his motor up going up Baker grade. And right. It, it was pretty, it was pretty fun for me to be able to hook him up, drag his thing home and get him off the side of the road within, you know, 30 minutes of me pulling up. So, uh, you know, it's, it's buses are fun. I love buses. I mean, I got into, I got into buses because of seeing all, I, I remember, uh, and I think it might be the 1990 Jamboree. There was a, there was a black and white 21 window out front. And, uh, 
right next to it was this black oval window that was kind of up on pedestals and it had this real funky interior in it. Like it was these cubes for seats and somebody knew the guy's name and it had like this chrome rocker panel with puzzle pieces. But I remember in front of the Jamboree at the Orange County Fairgrounds, there was those two cars parked at an angle and I'll post a picture of it on my blog. There's those two cars parked at an angle and that 21 window bus was like sitting on 16 inch alloys. I mean, it just looked, it was laid out black and white looked so good and uh i remember seeing that bus and thinking like oh man how cool would it be to find a bus then i found like a combi here in town and i was like ah it's kind of a dork mobile and then i found the deluxe and then i went down the road of building the bus because now i had kids and i'm like okay i got i got you know three kids now i had two kids at the time then i had three and then i thought well this is cool and you know i end up building the bus but i'm like i like fast bugs so i do the big type four motor you know, back in 2000, when I debut that bus, it's got 944 brakes on it. It's got the Porsche twist wheels on it, and it's got the big Type 4. And it's like there's no other bus sitting on 17s at the Classic. I take first that year, and I'm pretty stoked because that was my whole purpose to build it was just take it to a show in California, being from Las Vegas, yeah. and get some respect. You know what I mean? That's, like the, that's always kind of the thing. And, and, and maybe you guys felt a little bit of that up in Northern California, to Southern California because it seems like Southern California is like the hotbed for all VW stuff. But, but I'm telling you, man, I, I just, I love, I love my buses and they're so different than bugs, but, um, it's just, it's just one of these things where it's like, you know, especially cause you got kids and you could throw, you know, four kids in a, in my, in my bus and it's like no big deal. And we're just cruising around. It's a little different. Oh yeah. And all your stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like actually go to the park or go to the, you know, campgrounds or whatever and just load the thing up and go hang out. So I I've loved it. And it, and it's funny how I look back at the timeline and buses really weren't even in 2000, they weren't that cool. And then over the past, you know, once things started hitting, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, then buses really just start becoming like, oh, let's get a bus. And then but you start to see the bus market push really hard, you know, to where, I mean, you, I mean, I just paid, I, not too long ago, I paid 10 grand for uh, a 76 camper, you know, running, driving, lowered. And I was like, you know what, I can buy, I can drive the money in the bank and then sell it, you know, in six months or whatever. I took it to buses by the bridge. I camped in it. And then I was like, cool, dig it. But, you know, it's funny. As we drive the newer and newer buses, my, my crew cab is a 62, and my 67 is way more comfortable to drive. Oh, yeah. No, the, the newer they get, the, the oh, better yeah. they drive for sure. <laughs> That's the craziest part because the less we like the look of them, the newer they become, but w- they're way more functional, and they've worked like they progressively have worked all the bugs out, you know, of the, uh, of the other buses. So have you ever had a bay window? I've only I've only had one. I had a a really nice. This is a few years ago. I had a really really nice '68 crew cab that one of um, a friend of my mom's and dad's knew the guy who owned it, and he was the second over, and it was super nice, and the price was right, and I bought it, and I had it for a little while, and I drove it to a couple of shows, and it drove really really nice, and then somebody just offered me the right price for it, and it went away. But hindsight, you know, that one was probably especially with kids, that would have been the most practical one. To run around and haul the kids in versus throwing them in a you know 36 horse 57 that goes 52 miles an hour oh yeah we we were up at uh, i was up there with miguel and tony um up there a couple years ago for the kelly park show and, and eric 
Hendrickson had come down and he had that uh, 55, Jesse James old 55, 23 window. And we were all just going to some, we were going to um, some of the open houses on Kelly Park weekend. And we were all kind of grouped up and we're going from Miguel's shop down to uh, Mark Merrill's place. And it was just like trying to wait for this guy in the 23 window, man, was just like, it was like mind numbing. I'm like, dude, I don't care how old or how cool it is. Like, there's no way I I could enjoy driving a car that goes 55 topped out right. on the freeway. Like, you got to you got to have a lot of courage to do that because you really got to love those buses. That's funny. We a couple, few years ago we rode around in that. Um, a couple of friends and I went over to the open house at Pips in Eric's bus from the hotel. Yeah, and it, it was it was so stunning, so 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 nice. And it, I mean, the thing rides like a brand new car, you know, back then. Oh yeah. And we it's funny coming back from Solvang, my kids and I um are driving my truck and we had some on the trailer and you know, we assumed his life on the highway and they're you know, they're driving it four hundred and fifty miles, five hundred miles home. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he take your time. Yeah, he, he would you know, there's no doubt that they're reliable. If they're built correctly, they're reliable and they'll run forever. It just depends on how fast you want to get there. But you know, I I'm a I'm a big anything I ever get has to get a nice big type four in it because there's nothing more upsetting to people on the highway when a bus passes them, you know, like they get really upset. Maybe there's something passive aggressive that I really enjoy about that, <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Someone tries to take your lane and then you just get on the throttle and just kind of bl- stop that action. But let's talk about the shows that you do. So you do, uh, so you've got bus fest going to be coming up this year in October. You're wait, well, wait a second. You said in October, you're, you're we're, we're, doing a, we're doing a Soto meet in October up in Sacramento. Okay. Um, Bus Fest this year is August 18th up in Antioch. And then this weekend is actually Bug Bash up in Antioch. I had so many people who came to Bus Fest saying, hey, how come I can't bring my bug? So we started doing Bug Bash several years ago. So Antioch is where? Antioch is um, in the extreme East Bay. Um, it's about an hour inland from like Stockton, Lodi area. So you've got Bus Fest is going to be when? August 18th. August 18th is going to be Bus Fest. And then Bug Fest is going to be? Yeah, Bug Bash is actually Bash. this weekend on Sunday, the 23rd. The 23rd. Man, I, I, I wish I could get to all these shows, man, because I really I really just enjoy the shows that they have, especially like the ones in, in California. Or, you know, the weather's a lot nicer to kind of chill at a park. And, you, and and there's so much population there that you get to see a lot of diversity. Sometimes we get landlocked here in Vegas, and it's like you go to a VW show, and it's like the same, you know, there's 100 cars, but it's the same 100 cars you always see. You know, it's usually sure. not a and lot that, of them. And that's, that's anywhere local. You know, it, it, that's what the everybody else looks forward to seeing the new whatever. Hey, what's that one? We haven't seen it before. And that's that's still the novelty of it from when we were kids. You know, it's like, hey, I haven't seen that bus before. Or, hey, what's that? You've still got, so you've still got your buses. You've got the project single cab that you're working on right now, the 55 single cab. Correct. But while you were in Soto, so one of the questions I have, while you're running Soto, uh, obviously because you're writing the newsletter, you might sometimes get first dibs on some deals. Occasionally. Um, a whole bunch of people thought that, that happened a lot. It actually wasn't. I spent a lot of my time out beating the bushes treasure hunting with my friends because yeah. for us it was kind of the thrill of a hunt. So in respect to treasure hunts, what kind of treasure hunts did you used to do when you like, I mean, back in the 80s when you're looking for bus parts, you know, they're like too, too new to be collectible and too bus to be collectible. You know what I mean? So where are you going and what, what are some of the techniques you were guys using back then to go hunt down bus parts? 
it used to be the Central Valley, Stockton, Sacramento, up into the foothills. There was there was always a lot of stuff. Um, we would go, you know, we drive up to Washington, go to the slot meets, go to Oregon. We went up into British Columbia, um, all of, basically all over the western states. We went went to shows in just about every state. Um, different friends and I. And then uh, in '95, uh, a couple of buddies, my friend Tony, that got me into this all in the beginning, and my other buddy Eric, we actually took off cross country in my '66 micro. Really? And took a month-long trip from here to the East Coast and stopped at a bunch of shows along the way as well. Uh, we went to a show in Nashville. We went to a show in Georgia. We went to – then up north, we went to a show in Connecticut to the Litchfield show. Oh, wow. So this, that was that was an adventure. And that was in a stock, in a stock microbus? Bone stock 66 microbus with a – it had a 1641 in it, but it wasn't, wasn't fast by any means. And, but it was – 99% original paint, perfect original interior. And we actually, on that trip, we found a dealership on our way to um, Atlantic City. And yeah. we found this kind of a cool old dealership. We stopped to take a picture of the neat sign and ended up going inside and talking to people. Turns out we met the original owner of the dealership who had, in, instead of crushing the parts like they were supposed to do when they became obsolete, yeah. he took them all home, put them up in his loft. So we went over to his house and ended up loading my bus up with all kinds of cool NOS stuff. Oh, wow. Wow. Those are, I mean, but that, you know, that, that was just so much of the excitement of when you're building stuff or looking for stuff, like finding the NOS stuff that nobody makes. Now, you know, kids that are getting the scene now, that it, it's so easy. You know, when I when I built the Type 34 Gia, I put it on Cosmics. Why? Because Cosmic, the Gia's rare and Cosmics were rare. And now Cosmics, right. they repop them and you got like that. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. It's like, just wait a little while. If, if they're desirable enough, someone will punch out a reproduction part piece exactly. or whatever. No, and I just saw a thing just real recently on Facebook. The guys, I, I forget, I forget what company is, but there's a company who's making complete bus bodies now, you know, classic fab. Oh yeah. And the guys in Europe, you know, have producing all the panels, but now you, you can go to these guys and get a, basically a complete body. Yeah, it's uh, it's just insane where where it's going to be going because, you know, and, and part of that, I believe, may it could dilute the scene a little bit. You know what I mean? To where it it, it would water it down to some extent. Or, and, and the reason why it waters down is it's, it's not going to devalue it because there's more on the road. It may devalue it just because there's so many more people getting them. And next thing you know, it's like, Everybody and their everybody and their mom's got one, and you're like, ah, oh, these right. used to be really cool, and now they're kind of cheesy, and and that's kind of and that's the part that sucks. I think um, it's great to be able to have some stuff, but there's something special about having a unique piece all your own. You know that you just can't oh, sure. go to the store and buy one. You know, I mean, one of the things that sets us apart as a hobby in the VW scene is the fact that it's it's a, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to build these cars and you've got to be committed to stay in the scene. Otherwise you're going to get out because it's not easy to, you know, grab an old car and stick to it for a while and just keep plugging away at the thing. So, um, you know, I did notice on your buses, your buses are mostly stock. Do you have any lowered buses? No, I've, I've only owned one lowered bus. It was only for a while. I, I prefer stock ones. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have anything against lower ones. I'm just kind of a stock bus guy. You like um, them stock height, huh? You like the way they run. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've driven some stock height for a short while while I was driving them to get them lowered. <laughs> but, but it's like on the way to being lowered, yeah, right? Yeah, driving it, driving to my brother's shop so we could slam it. But uh, 
yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I like how the lowered, uh, lowered bus and, and my bus, my bull run bus is not slammed by any means. It's like six inch drop spindles in the front, you know, readjusted, uh, old school bus boy kit. Actually, now I have Russell's relocation brackets that relocate the axle and you still have plenty of tension on the, uh, the spring plate, but right. That it, it's even that in the past 10 years, just the technology. And a lot of it is, you know, Russell at old speed pushing the envelope. And then a lot of people start copying kind of what he's doing because Russell looks at something and goes, Oh, let me, what if I do this this way? And, and his offset plates for the, uh, for the buses were really cool. And, and, uh, you know, the technology of just lowering buses or suspension has changed so much just in the past 10 years because of so many people getting them on the road. Um, so no lowered buses in your future. You like the uh, you like the stalkers, huh? Yeah, I, I enjoy the stock ones better. I like, and I also the thing is I load them though. I mean, I use them like trucks. Right. You know, like when I'm putting on my shows, everything goes in the bus. Absolutely. Um, you know, running running all over the place. You know, when back in the old days when we were buying stuff, that was my only car was, you know, my right hand driver, my green and green bus. So that was what it was. You know, every once in a while, I mean, like we went out one time, we went out and bought a bus and actually bought a bus in Vegas and it, it became kind of a semi-famous bus. I bought it from, I think it was Derek out there yeah. and it ended up, I had it and then I traded to Eddie Economy or no, I traded to Charlie Hamill who traded to Eddie Economy who traded to Kimball and that's now the, the, um, the Kimball, the ovals only or whatever. He's got the Periscope Enterprises bus. That's that bus. That was the original Vegas bus. That's the panel. That was a pretty... Yeah, that was a, a a fire engine red or cherry red original paint bus. That's uh, but it's it's crazy it's crazy how it goes. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of there's so many things that were pulled out of here out of Vegas um, because of the Air Force Base one, and there's so much stuff in people's garages in the old parts of town over here that I mean it it, it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, one of my buddies bought a 23 window that was sitting out in Pahrump. There was a 5723 window sitting out there, ceiling wax and chestnut. And I went out to Pahrump to look at it probably 10 years ago. And someone had said, oh, the guy wants 10 grand for it. And the bulkhead behind the front seat had been cut out. And they cut out the engine compartment because they were putting a Corvair motor in there. And I'm like, what a piece of crap, man. I'm not buying that thing. 10 grand, that dude is high. <laughs> and then my buddy John goes out there and buys it, ponies up the money to get it. And, you know, I mean, he's way ahead of the curve, even with the, the modifications that were done to him. And I've got really good high-resolution pictures of that bus, but you never know how quick, you know, things are going to move up and how fast. I mean, when I bought my bus in Goldfield, Nevada, I remember there's a gas station in the, right there at the as you go through the middle of town. Still there somewhere, I would like to believe, is a super cherry uh, Dove Blue uh, crew cab that was there and when i bought my bus i saw it at the, i saw it at the gas station i said what do you want for that bus truck thing you know and the guy's like oh uh, my dad says it's pretty rare he wants 3500 for it and i'm like Psh, i just bought this thing for 100 bucks what a <laughs> what a rip off <laughs> i take off right? and that bus was so stinking nice you know i mean it was so complete but i still think you know i still think they're out there i i just had one of my guys one of my buddies just bought a uh, 57 panel that that was a camper bought it for 500 bucks uh needs restoration but it was a roller and you know my kind of my opinion is i still think they should be out there for 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and 
it's nice when you can buy them from people where they're they're okay to get a thousand bucks or five hundred bucks for it because the whole you know oh yeah this bus it's all original this and it should be twenty five thousand dollars it's missing ninety percent of the parts but it because it's uh you know sixty five combi it should be worth that that's kind of bummed me out on the scene a little bit because a lot of us got into the scene because it was so cheap you know I think that was a for me, it was a huge motivating factor getting a bug because I could have a cool looking car without having to go buy a mini truck or something that cost. Oh, right. You right. Know, I, I, I can't even tell you how many buses I bought for anywhere from 50 to like 250, you know, out of a field with a bill of sale and a napkin or, you know, my 50, my 57, uh, 15 window I got. Um, a friend and I flew into Nebraska to buy another, this cab divider, 60 combi. We were going to drive it home, and it turned into a whole debacle getting it home. Yeah. But we got a lead from a guy at a show at the fairgrounds there who told us about this guy who had some buses. We're out in the middle of nowhere, and that he had two 15 windows. And I bought my 17-wheeler for $100. Yeah. You know, and it was all original paint, all original upholstery. It was all there. It didn't have a motor. You know, so my dad and I went out there eight months later and dragged it home. But, you know, and there, I think, I genuinely think there's still stuff out there. And unfortunately, some of it, the value as they get real expensive, and then you see a couple of buses go for big money on the auctions. Therefore, everybody thinks their bus is worth a million bucks. You know, but there's still a lot of people who, who are realistic about it. And so from your perspective, like if you got to pick a bus, you, you can pick any bus you want. What's the Holy Grail bus for you? Just your opinion. Like if you could get this bus. I mean, the holiest of Holy Grail buses to me as a, a bone stock guy is is still the, the 52-23 window that Steve Wood had and Mike Hornbecker had and Gene Langen has in it. It's now actually a gentleman up in, I believe he's in Utah, has it, who has a couple of them now. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the one. That's It's, you know, 17,000, 18,000 original miles, I mean, basically perfect, all original barn door deluxe and an early barn door. And where that's the one. And where did that bus come from originally? Is that bus based out of California originally? Um, Steve Wood, who passed away several years ago, he was from Seattle. I believe he bought it out of a dealership in Oklahoma that had it like in a warehouse. And he bought it and drove it back to Seattle. And then he had it for several years and then sold it to Mike Hornbecker um, down in Southern California where it stayed for a long time. And then changed hands a few times, but it never really left down there. And it, it was going to go live in Tennessee. Anyway, it, it, it's had a few homes, but that's the one. Yeah, That's the Holy Grail. It's not when you can get it in drive, obviously, you know, too much with 18,000 original miles on it, but it, it's, it's the one. I mean, if I could have any bus and money was no object, that would probably be the one. Really? And that, and just because it's original mileage, I mean, it's original low mileage bus. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's basically a brand new 1952 23 window. That's insane. I think I'm looking it's, at pictures of it. It's nuts. And there, there have been some other ones, some pretty nice low mileage come over the past several years. There's a 54 uh, that was back east. I think is also up in Utah. Now there, there's a lot of them, but the one, the holy grail one is that one. Yeah, with the with the curb. Now let's talk about your your combi sunroof. That's a fairly rare bus. Would you agree? Yeah, it is. I I bought it in 1984 for 800 dollars. My girlfriend complete? and I were driving around San Francisco in my '59 convertible, and we were down by the Presidio, and I saw, and I, not knowing, being a 19 year old kid, I, I I saw semaphores, and I thought it was a barn door, and I'm like, oh, barn door, barn. I pulled over and <laughs> had a for sale sign in it, so I wrote down the phone number and. You know, went home and 
called the next day and actually I found a payphone. I called him and said, Hey, I want to buy your bus. Um, you know, can I, can I come get it tomorrow? And the guy's like, well, yeah, it's, it's not going anywhere. And I was like, he said, it's been sitting there for three months. Anyway, so I went and bought it. It turns out he was the, the third owner. Um, the original owner bought it in Freiburg in 57. He was in the service and he drove it around for a couple of years over there. And then he saw one with a sunroof and he, so he went back to his dealer and he said, Hey, I, I want a sunroof in my bus. And they said, no problem. And I forget what the number was. He actually told me, but he took it to the dealer and they cut a hole in the roof and put, put the sunroof in. Really? It's, it's not a factory sunroof. It's actually a dealer installed Webasto sunroof kit that was put in in 59 in Germany. Oh, wow. Um, but it doesn't have the reinforcement pans, you know, like a factory sunroof. Yeah, it doesn't have belly have. pans? No. So it, it's kind of weird and the body flexes a lot, but it's it's definitely a unique one. And, like, I, and it's, you know, European model, so it's seven fours. And it's June of '57 European, so it's still brake light deckwood and stuff. And I've, I've, I had that forever and ever. And then I sold it to a friend who actually took and got it painted, which now would have been sacrilege. But at the time, you know, it was it was original paint. It had some dings and dents, so he somebody owed him a favor and they painted it. Yeah. Um, looking back at pictures of it now, it should have had some paint blending done and still be original paint. But wow. Yeah, that's yeah. well, but even the even the combis. I mean, the combis with the sunroof option, that's a pretty rare option. And I would think that that I mean, and and that one's got to be even more unique. If it was a dealer install, so what's your take on that? I mean, I think because it was installed when the car was new at the dealership, I think it's still pretty makes it pretty unique. You know what I mean? Especially uh, being done at the dealership because they would do stuff like that. It was no big deal at the dealership. How do you think something like that affects the value of that car? I, I I honestly think because it's dealer installed, it makes it more unique. Yeah. You know, not not like there's a, a ton of them around anyway, you know, even with factory sunroofs. But I mean, there, there's several, and I've seen some other green and green sunroofs. There's a, a really nice original one um, across the bay for me, uh, 58, that a, a friend of a friend owns, um, yeah. which is really cool. And it's an all original one. But it, I, to me, it makes it kind of, it makes it unique and different. And I've had it for so long now that that's kind of the one that everybody identifies me with. Yeah, no, it's a cool bus. I've I've seen it. I dig it. You know, um, they could use a set of wheels and some brakes and a big motor. But listen, that's just <laughs> that's just my take. <laughs> but good thing it's yours because it'll stay stock. But I want to just touch bases real quick, going back to when you were out bus hunting for parts. Like, is there any part that you found that you found back in the day that's like the coolest thing you've ever found and you'll never get rid of it and it's like the coolest part, the coolest NOS thing that you've ever found or maybe even the one that got away, one that you, sh- you kick yourself to this day for getting rid of? There's definitely a lot that got away. I think the coolest one I ever found and it actually found me um, was the box body, the SO13 box that is for my 55 single cab. Um, I got some, this is way before the internet. I got an envelope in the mail one day at my PO box and it was some pictures of this box body sitting on kind of some pallets and wheels. Well, it turns out this, it was, um, Bern Hagestad, the dealership up in Denver, and they had bought three of these for the local post office and they had sold the first two. And I guess the third, I don't know if they didn't work out for the post office, didn't pan out, whatever, but the third never got sold. So it got shoved in the corner of the shop for a while and moved place to place. And then when the dealership sold, they actually stuck it over in the owner's body shop and ended up sitting outside in a corner and kids would jump over the fence and use the roof of it as kind of steps to get into the yard. 
so the roof of it is a little bit danced on, but the roof is kind of like a cable car where it goes up and it's kind of two tiered yeah. with like a reinforcing ridge down the center. It's kind of arced. Well, it, it had never been installed in a single cap. It still has the original, but the seal for the body to the bed hanging inside on a little piece of coat hanger. Oh, so wow. it's, it's for all practical purposes, NOS. That's so awesome. that's probably the coolest NOS thing. And that's, to me. that's the box that's going on your single cab. Correct. Yeah, now, the box is in the corner of my garage, and the single cab is somewhere else. But eventually, the two will mate. I put them on. I put the box on at one time, and the bus was nowhere close to running. But I just really wanted to take it out, so I threw it on the trailer and took it out to bus fest and just kind of parked it there and let people check it out. But eventually. And now the and now that box. So the box bolts onto the single cab bed. Correct. And it bolts to the four locations like the same spot where the, the, the canopy hoops mount. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. And it comes down about an inch over the side. It covers up the holes where the gates would have bolted on, you know, to keep those from rusting. Wow. And then, and then it's, it, it, are, is it a hard box or the, the sides flap down on that thing too? No, no, it's hard. It's, it's got uh, wing doors on the back, cargo doors, and it's got another cargo door on the passenger side front. That's nuts. So how, I mean, those have got to be fairly rare, I would think. Well, the, I've, I've only seen a couple of other ones. Most of the ones I've seen, um, in, it was made by Westphalia, and they actually sold them as trailers and put windows in them, those funeral trailers you see. It's yeah. that same body shape. And I've seen pictures of them, you know, back in the day, the original ones, but I've never actually seen another one to go on a bus. Hmm. And I've, I've had people randomly out of blue call me over the years like, hey, I want to buy that. And I'm like, no, I don't really want to sell it. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's really rare. It's like, no, I know, but I really like it. Someday it'll go on a bus. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. That's that's yeah, so cool. So, yeah. I look forward to seeing that thing get on the road one day, you know, but, you know, listen. You well, get... I definitely want to get it going. I, my, my kids are now old enough. Um, you know, I've got a 911 and a just turned 13-year-old. They're old enough now that I can actually get back out of the garage and spend a little bit of time with the cars where I haven't been able to do it the last several years. So. Well, you know, one of my tricks is I kind of force the kids to come outside with me in the garage, and then they bellyache and moan and stuff like that. But I always try to get them either behind the wheel or let them drive or do something to kind of get them fired up. And so I, I did good. My 19-year-old's a car guy. He's a hardcore car guy. My 13-year-old right now, I'm working on him. And it's still, you know, here in Vegas, it gets a little hot in the, in the shop and stuff. But I, I kind of get him out here to do that. And I've already had my 10 year old son. I already had him, uh, driving an automatic little R32 that I had driving around a parking lot. <laughs> so, so he's, so he's pretty stoked, but yeah, this, those kids are old enough to come out and give a hand, man. Like, you know, help, well, you, that's, help you do. And that's what's that. happening now. My last time I had to pull the motor out of the green bus. Cause that a leak. My nine year old daughter was out there helping me and they love riding in the buses. The kids all work for me at the car shows. They sell t-shirts and raffle tickets and, do registration stuff. So there, and the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm going to be one of those, one of those older guys that, you know, right. used to be like, Oh, what do you, you know, you want to sell that? No, I'm going to restore it. I don't want to be that guy. Right. And I think it's, it's now I've been doing this for such a long time that it's kind of up to us as the sort of elder generation of this stuff to get kids into it because, you know, kid teenagers now, BWs aren't their thing. They want to, you know, a Prius or whatever. They, cars aren't their thing. Yeah. So, and, and if we if we don't instill that love for old stuff in our kids and their friends, who's gonna? Oh yeah. I mean, I I when my son uh, my son was in Scouts, I'd grab 
you know, the, the scouts that I was with, we'd go on, we'd have to go sell popcorn or something. I'd pull up in the bus and they're like, oh, so cool. We get to drive with the bus. And then I had stereo systems and stuff in it. So I'd crank it up. And, you know, I told this, I told a story before on the podcast, but it's like, you know, if I was taking the kid, I'd take the kids to a church dance or something. And I had to go across town to a, a different church or something. I would load the kids up and we'd accidentally cruise down the strip before we got, before we got to the church dance. But these kids, man, they'd get in that car and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. And I'd be like, what kind of music you guys like? And I'd play the music they like. And, you know, at least, you know, through all the kids that have cycled through riding my buses, at least four or five of them call me and be like, oh, man, I saw this cool bus over here and I saw this bug. And when I get older, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. And I'm like, all right, job well done. Nice. <laughs> you know, because that's, that's, that, that's the good part. You know, I, I, it's funny. I was thinking the other day about my bus and what I've been through with my bus and thinking, you know, after I finished that bus in 2003, I had it for sale on the Samba for like 35,000 bucks. Someone showed up at my house with the money to buy it. And then I was just kind of like, give me your number and I'll call you back tomorrow. And then I just chickened out and never called them. And, and I look at it now and I was thinking, yeah, you know, I'd sell my bus for the right price. And then I started thinking about it. I said, you know, my son was like three years old, two years old when I was working on things. He's in the garage. He's there with a socket, not doing anything, but he's just wrenching on the drum or doing whatever. And it's like, his whole life he's been in that bus and now i'm thinking i wonder if he'd want it like if i mean my thing is you know because you start looking at all your stuff after a while and you think like okay i can't drive it all and how am i gonna enjoy what i can because sometimes it just gets too much to start working on them all the time if it's like there's always a project but yeah that that bus my my, the bull run bus may end up staying in the family forever i don't know i mean i i I, you know unless someone offers me an obscene amount of money so then i would just have no choice but to say sorry kids i was changing our family trajectory but um you know it's it's i i never thought i'd get that to that point with a car like that deep of a connection but it's like you know i i've not been very successful at selling many cars and uh you know it's it's just because you end up putting so much heart and soul into them i think you just love them but it's good. Well, they become part of the family. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, and, and that's funny because my, my bus, I'm sitting here thinking my bus was originally built to deliver, to, to be a, 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 a station wagon for a family. You know, Volkswagen market is a station wagon. And it's like that bus with nine seats was des- whoever bought it. It wasn't a single guy who bought it. It was a family that bought that bus. And somewhere in that bus's life, it ends up getting ditched in Goldfield, Nevada for 31 years until I buy it. Right. You know, and it's like now the bus is back on the road for the past 20 years almost. It's provided my family with, I mean, every year we go cruise the Christmas lights in it and stuff like that. And, and my kids are just like, oh, it's just a no big deal. It's a bus. You know, they hop over the seats and do whatever. And everybody's like, oh, man, this thing's so cool. And, and to me, it's my family's just like, it's just our bus, you know. And right. uh, it, it's just, it's so cool that I can have, because I didn't have anything like that growing up. It's not like my dad had some really cool car that we all were in love with or that like, oh, it's just, you know, whatever. It was just like, it was just a piece of transportation. But, uh, you know, this bus is, has just been so much to our family that it's like, I, I don't know if I could ever sell it. I mean, it, it would have to be an obscene amount of money for me to sell it. But, um, yeah, it's just so it's just so cool how they become they become so connected to us that even no matter in the midst of whatever happens, we end up getting back in the scene. And so, like, now you're doing – what possesses you after getting out to start putting on car events now? Like, how do you get into doing car events? Just people, people at bus fest would ask like, Hey, how come I can't bring my bug to bus fest? Well, cause it's bus fest. And I'm like, well, you should do an all VW event. Uh, so a couple years later, enough people had asked was okay. So we did, you and, know, now, so now we do bug bash once a year and then bus fest. And like I said, then 
my friend Mike and I are, are doing the soda meets a couple times a year again, just, you know, kind of full circle. And it's just, just low key doing it up here just for fun, you know, get people out and get them together. Well, I'd love to come out to one of the soda meets one of these days and uh, I'm going to try to, I, this year, since I started the podcast, I really have been trying to get to as many events as I can, just because I think it's, it's one to promote the podcast two to be able to, um, you know, kind of do the podcast at the events, connect with more people in the scene, get some more of this history out there documented out in cyberspace for a long time, because that's where it needs to be. You know, 20 years from now, who's going to remember any of this stuff? Right. You know? That's very true. And I mean, that's one of that, that, that's one of my, uh, one of my purposes by doing the podcast, because I love this scene. It's just provided so much happiness for me through all the years, all the memories, all this stuff. And, and I was talking to one of the guys at Prado this last week that drug his, dune buggy out and uh he said something that he did he, he was trying to remember who he quoted but he said yeah you know this one guy i can't remember who said it but he said if i'd have known at the time that i was making history i would have paid more attention and it's like as we are the guys because that's why i told this guy you know he was 20 years old on the cover of hot vw's with a manx you know all cherried out and dialed in and lowered and looking cool and I said, man, who knows how many guys you've inspired, you know, just because your car was on the cover and all this. And he had this car. He parked it for the last 30 years. It's been sitting in a container on the side of his house. And he's blown away. He's back. And he's back in the scene. He's probably going to be in his early 50s. His name is Bob, uh, Bob Mazzagatti. I think his name is something like that, some kind of Italian name. And I'll get him on the podcast coming up because i got to find out, like, what, what gets a guy to keep his car for that long when he's not in the scene. You know right. what I mean? And then he comes back. The guy's living up near Canyon Country somewhere. He comes back to Prado, brings this Manx out, and there's you know handful of other '80s builds that have been there. And it's like he's blown away. He's like, man, I thought this scene was dead. He's like, I can't believe how many people are doing this and how many cars are out here. And I'm like, yeah, it just keeps just keeps growing and growing, you know. So yeah. That's the good part. But no, man, I've you know I anything else in regards to the Soto history that you wanted to just get out there or if there's anything that you believe needs any correcting or any of that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, this is really your forum. I mean, it's you and me talking about it and if there've been some misconceptions or whatever, I mean, I, I and I, you can't really control everything. You know what I mean? It's people are going to, no, no, I, I agreed. And, and my, my ultimately, uh, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends just recently about it and they were talking about like, you know, so what, what, what do you want the legacy of soda to be? And I said, I would like the legacy of soda to be is, Hey, it was, the, the bus club that kind of spawned all the other bus clubs and kind of, you know, got buses popular and was a really good resource for everybody back then. And it, the, it, it makes me, it, it gets bittersweet because it makes me very happy. I, I met lots of fantastic people. I made lots of great friends. I also lost lots of great friends. Yeah. And that, that part of it, you know, is kind of poignant to me, but I, I ultimately, it, it's, it's all about the buses and it's always been about the buses and that's what I wanted it kind of wanted it to be not anything else it's a, I'm, I'm not so much about the bus lifestyle i just truly enjoy the cars yeah i think that's what it comes i, to. I just i just like buses i mean it's 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 really simple I, and i i'm a stock bus guy but i appreciate all the work that goes into lowered stuff and custom stuff or the patina cars or the you know what i, I like them all and yeah. i just the, the whole goal was to get everybody together with the bus so we could all share our, our love of the vehicles and that's that's ultimately what it was about no, I'm telling you, man, it's, you know, it's, especially if you started in the eighties, man, there, there's, there was always something a little peculiar about the bus guys. 
But, oh yeah, for sure. We, a, little, a little bit different breed, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you love this bread box shaped, you know, piece of utilitarian <laughs> transportation. But you know what's so funny is to the outside world, they look like they all look the same, and to people in the hobby, there's all the different minute differences year by year and 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 generation by generation that it's like it's never ending there's no two to to the to some extent there's no two that are alike you know because of so many options speaking of that what's the rarest one that you've seen that's not like rare as far as as far as age but like option equipped coolest bus that you didn't even believe that they made and you saw it made what what would probably be that thing that you've seen um i've there's a around here there's a factory green and green 58 standard sunroof with factory safaris i think it's a walkthrough too that one's super super optioned yeah um but and i've also um danny down in southern california has got a 59 i believe right hand drive european so it has semaphores sunroof mango bus wow um and then there's of course the there's the double sliding door airport bus from europe the orange one yeah that one's double sliding door walkthrough you know there's a couple of double sliding door ones um and then there's uh, the guy bob at bbt has got one and i think it was made at the factory like they changed it the factory Mm -hmm. they used to run as a double door I want to say 57 or 58, 23 window deluxe that was also made a walkthrough. Oh, wow. And it was done like at, not, not on the assembly line, but at the factory, they changed it to how they wanted it. So there's all kinds of cool stuff like that. And there, there's so many different, you know, I had I, the, one of the first buses I ever bought and actually parted out was a 59. Turns out it was a 59 Westelli and I wasn't a camper guy. So I left <laughs> the campers up there, but it was, it was a, Mango with factory safaris, Westphalia, hatch top, semaphore with an ambulance van. Then you parted it out. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I paid like 50 bucks, took all the parts <laughs> off I wanted and left it there. You know, and it was, you know. Oh, man, it's just crazy. It's crazy when you think about those the, those stories, you know, because now you're oh, like, yeah. you'd kill that was, to find that, that bus. That was probably like 86 or I was a, my first set of safari windows. I went there just to buy the safari windows, and I was going to buy the whole bus if I had to to get them. Right. And they're like, oh, you can just take what you want. And I said, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. How about $50? Like, okay. Yeah. That's nice. You know, man. hindsight, that's a car that, looking back, that car should have totally been saved, especially the way campers are now, but I wasn't a camper guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny it's how. it's funny because I, I went out there in my 57 beat-up 23 window that I had at the time to park this car out in the field. Oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. You were like, I'll bring a Sawzall. You didn't have battery-powered Sawzalls back then. So you're no, like, no, man. You're like, I'm taking a hacksaw. And chisels and <laughs> all kinds of crazy like, stuff. I'm going to maim up the front of this bus to get these safaris out because the, the bolts are rusted in place. Yeah, ha- literally hacksawed out the pillars. That's crazy. That's so yeah. insane. But, you know, I mean, that's what that's what people did back in the day. I mean, they were like, they, they were, it, it's I, I describe to people all the time that it's like if someone kept a Yugo in really cherry condition because the cars were so inexpensive that they were perceived as being disposable. Right. You know, it was like your starter car. And, you know, that's why I get amazed when I find cars that are like really low mileage and somebody preserved it and kept really good care of it. 
you know, because who who would have thunk it? You know that they that they'd be so collectible and so desirable, especially when every year it was like ditch this one, get the new one with the bigger back window. You know, right? So, well, that's cool, man. Well, you know, I I've enjoyed having you on the podcast, and I may have you back. We may do we we may do uh, an episode where we do kind of a year by year, and we break it down, and maybe we just spend a half an hour or something talking about year by year breakdowns of buses and maybe some unique bus. We may do a bus special podcast. I'd like to do that. I'd like to, you know, my, my first set of getting out is doing a bunch of interviews, getting a bunch of people out there, maybe connecting some people back into the scene that some people may not know of that we can, you know, just kind of get some of the history out there. But I'd also like to do some actual uh, podcasts where we do some year by year breakdowns and just some, maybe some educational podcasts that I think, you know, as having a free flowing conversation, it spurs a lot more ideas than sitting there with a structured website and just typing it out word by word that no one's maybe ever going to read. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Anything, anything that you wanted to leave us with or promote uh, the events that you have coming up? Oh, just, just a big thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure, and I, I hope everybody's enjoyed it. It's really, really nice to talk about what we love. Um, we've got two events coming up. Like I say, this Sunday is Bug Bash, June 23rd up in Antioch, and then August 18th is Bus Fest number 15 and then uh it's gonna be looks like early october will be our next photo meet up in sacramento and i don't have a firm date or location on that but we should have real soon and just want to tell you thank you for doing this and getting some of those people that have been around for a while you know yeah no because it's nice it's nice to talk about the history and it brings back so many memories you know of of why we do this and why i've been doing this since you know 1984 i mean it's 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 really fun and it, it literally becomes part of your family and your culture and I love it because my kids' favorite way to get taken to school the few times they get to do it is to take them or pick them up on the bus. Like, no, 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 Dad, we want to go on the bus. Yeah. We don't care for it. We want to go on the bus. You yeah. know, that, that's the best feeling ever as a parent. No, pa- passing on the connection because they get this certain love, and it's like if your kid looks at a bus and thinks of his dad, that's kind of a cool thing, you know what I mean, because it's something that we cared about so much that – that you know, I think our generation is kind of that Corvette summer generation where the movie comes out and the guy salvages the car, saves it, and then does anything he can to keep this car. And it's like we believe that these cars have a soul, you know. And so it's kind of our job to get them back on the road and then make them part of the family. So yeah, I appreciate you. I, I I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you helping us get some, you know. And I'm a big believer of going of getting getting the information from the source and finding out like if there's history or questions or things like that, we'll have to, you know, it's no better person than to ask the person who, who was there, who lived it, who did it. So I'm, I'm glad that you're putting on the events, you know, it's like you started doing that. You went away from doing that. Now you're back in the scene, creating events and, and doing it pure. Cause let me tell you this. I put on a big event out here, uh, the Las Vegas auto swap meet. And by no means, do we make a ton of money doing it? It's more like swapping dollars, but it's more, you know, we, my partner and I that started doing it, we did it for the purpose of having an event, you know? And I think that's the same thing with the events that you're doing, because I don't think you're getting rich doing them. You're just doing them. You're just really trading dollars, but you're creating an event and those events create experiences and, and people can just enjoy that because I think we all go back to the days of going to the jamboree and just getting that, brain full of eye candy that you're seeing these cool cars out there and and then it just inspires you to go home and start turning wrenches you know so exactly no that's exactly what it is i'm you know i'm i'm as i talk to you i'm just pulling up to my house and i've been talking to you for over an hour you know hour and a half commute each way oh yeah um you know for my real job and i it's just labor love and fun and if the events 
if they make enough to pay for the next event, awesome. That's, you know, but it's about getting the people together and seeing the cars and, you know, just trying to keep the scene going. And it, it's growing so much up in Northern California the last several years. There's tons of events going on up here. And, you know, we're all just trying to keep it going and make it bigger so that going forward, because we all, most of us have kids now. Yeah. You know, we want our kids to get to experience what we did. I know there's a, there's a huge part of that because it's like, it's just so fun. And it's something, it's like a big project that you can do as a kid and build and you have something it's the same thing you can do as an adult and then have it functioning driving and part of your everyday going from that point so exactly Matt, it, it you know i look i can't thank you enough for coming on coming on the podcast man i look forward to it i'll probably end up launching this one since your event's coming up this weekend i'll go ahead and launch this one on friday so at least we get some people that'll that'll get a little bit of that. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, for sure, man, next time I see you, I look forward to seeing you. And um, if there's anything we could ever do for you, let's talk dubs, promote anything for you, always shoot me an email or send me something like that out there, and I'll get it out there on the air for you. We drop these every week. So uh, hopefully you've been listening to them and you know, download them, listen to them. They're, they're, <laughs> they're good for sucking up time on the long drives home. So <laughs> right on. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you for your time, and I really appreciate you having me on. And I appreciate you doing this for the scene because it's it's just another way to you know keep it going. No, absolutely, man. And again, thanks for coming on, man. And we'll uh, I'll right. see you at the next show. All right. Thanks, Bill. All right, buddy. See ya. Well, I hope you guys liked today's episode. I think it was uh, pretty awesome. It was great to hear from David and a lot of the stuff that he's got going on. So don't forget, guys, uh, help support the podcast. Share it with your friends. Make sure you send everybody a link to Let's Talk Dubs. Send them a link to the main page, Let's Talk Dubs. It'll have three different options where they can download the podcast. We've got to educate a lot of people that don't listen to podcasts as to how to get the podcast. And if you send them to our homepage, they'll get right on it. Sign up for our mailing list so you get special emails and exclusives about what's going to be going on with the podcast. So I appreciate the support, guys. Don't forget, go write and review the podcast so I give you a shout out on the podcast. Send me emails if you've got events coming up, and I will make sure to announce some of your events coming up. So until next week, later. <laughs>